First scripture this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound of the wind blowing of a violent Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? And our second lesson this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But we have hope for what we do not see, and we wait for it, with patience. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We join me in prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. On this Pentecost Sunday, we invite you to blow afresh through our midst. Breathe in us a newness of life. Bring fresh understanding to our minds and fresh sight to our eyes, that we may see you at work in our lives and in our world. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.
So first question for you this morning is about bananas, and I want to take a little poll. How many people prefer a Chiquita banana versus a Dole banana? If you're, if you're a Chiquita person, yeah? And how many people prefer a Dole banana? Yeah, not a lot of brand loyalty out there, huh? <laughs> Did you know that bananas are the most popular fruit in the entire world? There are over 100 million tons of bananas grown and consumed every year. But you don't have that much of an opinion about them, huh? A banana is a banana is a banana? What'd you know? You're right. See, there's one big problem with bananas. They can't reproduce. They don't make any new banana seeds. So every banana that you've ever eaten in your entire life was cloned from the same banana tree. Every banana tree in the world is a, is a clone of all its brothers and sisters. Can you see where that might be a problem, though? Do you remember back when bananas used to taste good? Is anybody old enough? You remember when bananas were better? Because, see, up until the 1960s, there was a different strand of banana that was grown all around the world. They were called Big Mikes. But a fungus hit, and the Big Mike plant was not able to withstand that fungus, and it wiped out banana trees worldwide. All the Big Mike bananas died off, and today's bananas, all the ones you've eaten in the last 50 years or so, are Cavendish bananas. I wonder sometimes if Christians are like bananas. Right? Do you follow me there? Sometimes we want uniformity, right? We kind of want every Christian to be exactly the same as the ones who came before. But that's not exactly what happens in today's story, is it? The Holy Spirit blows through on Pentecost not to make clones of the disciples, but to make new disciples. And at Pentecost, we hear the story of an incredible diversity. Jews had gathered from all over the known world to come into Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit enables them to start speaking in one another's languages, falling on people so that they could hear the message of the good news of Jesus Christ in their own tongue, not making them all the same, but celebrating the differences that they bring. And what was the reaction to this fantastic display of God's power and might? The people in the crowd assumed that the disciples were drunk. Even these pre-modern people said, this is impossible. These kinds of things don't really happen, do they? But the movement of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost was real and it was undeniable. The disciples described it as tongues of fire dancing around the power of God was present in a new and exciting and unexpected way. And I wonder as we gather on a Pentecost Sunday, 
Do you believe that God is still speaking to us today? When you look and see the, the red cloths that we take out on Pentecost, are they symbols of something that happened once in the past? Or did you gather here with the Holy Spirit as your current hope? Wanting God to move and to have the Holy Spirit fill you and fill me and fill us as we worship together. Now I have to admit, come in here this morning, if something like Pentecost happened right now, like if y'all jumped up and started speaking in tongues, I'd be a little freaked out. Besides, you know, I made a really nice plan for worship this morning. I sat down earlier this week and put it all together, and I, I didn't put in there any spot for the Holy Spirit to move. That's not really true, though, is it? We do believe that God is still present and active in our world, doing a new thing in us. What do we mean to say that the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us. The early Latin words for spirit is animus. It's the root of the same word as animator or animation. It's the thing that gives life. What is it that makes you animated? What is the driving force behind your life? As Paul reminds us in Romans, there are a lot of spirits that can drive us. Some of us are driven by a spirit of greed. Others live out of a spirit of fear or a spirit of anxiety. Some of us drag around with a spirit of depression. Others chase after the spirit of power. Some of us burn with a spirit of lust or chase after a spirit of envy or are controlled by a spirit of addiction. As we pointed out in children's time, there are some unseen forces in our world and especially in our lives. There are unseen forces that can shape us in profound ways. We may not always be able to see them. Sometimes we can't quite name them, but we feel their effects. The spirits that animate us. But Paul offers us something different. He says, what would it mean to have the Holy Spirit? To have God's Spirit animating you? Instead of the forces of this world shaping our hearts and our minds and our lives, what would it mean to be shaped by God's Spirit? I want to show you a, a series of slides here. And the game is to figure out what all of these people have in common. So maybe we'll just start by seeing if you can recognize them all. Does that sound good? Oh, there's bananas again. Any guesses? This is tough. Kind of old. This is Da Vinci. All right. And then there's another tough one. These two, first two aren't easy. Close. This is Aristotle, but you're in the right era. Okay, then these are going to get a little bit easier. 
Edgar Allan Poe. Okay, you got, uh, got those all three in your mind yet? What do they have in common? Eleanor Roosevelt. Babe Ruth, that was quick, you got it. They all have something in common. Are you seeing the common thread yet? Anybody? James Baldwin, author and activist. Steve Jobs. And they all have something in common. You got it yet? Nelson Mandela. This is good. Now it's going to get a little easier. I have two great clues for you. This is... And what did all these people have in common? Well, the last one should give it away for you. Because this is the man who passed through the seven levels of the candy cane forest, through the sea of swirly-twirly gumdrops, and then he walked through the Lincoln Tunnel, all to do what? To find his birth father, Walter, at the Empire State Building. See, everybody I just showed you a picture of was adopted. Did you know that? But Paul says... We're all adopted. In fact, he says it this way. You were not given a spirit of slavery or a spirit of fear, but you were given a spirit of adoption. He's making reference all the way back to the Israelites and their, their move out of Egypt in the Exodus, reminding them of the time when God led them with fire by day, or cloud by day, fire by night, the time when they had to keep moving forward, reminding them of the trust that they had in God, that God would lead them to the promised land and would not let them slide back into the darkness of Egypt. So what does it mean when Paul says that we're all adopted? Now, there's probably a few of us gathered here who, who were adopted. But Paul uses the analogy saying that every Christian is adopted. Some of us in the room are related, but, but a bunch of us are not. And yet we gather here together in worship and in prayer, and we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. And this language runs all the way through the Gospels, that we are children of God, in fact, Jesus' last promise to the disciples is this, I will not leave you orphaned. Those who are adopted or who have adopted know that there are lots of ways to build a family. And I, I'm pretty convinced that adoption is one of the most Christian acts we can undertake. It's a living out of our faith in God, reminding us all that we are adopted. We are a family built by choice, a family built by grace, because God wanted us. In the Old Covenant, under Abraham's rules, you were born into the faith. But as Christians, we know we were chosen for this. Now, when you adopt someone into the family and the paperwork is, is finalized, the adoptee has 
all the rights, all the responsibilities, all the privileges of being a member of the family. One who is biological and one who is adopted, there's no difference between the two. I had a friend in seminary who had four children. Uh, Two were born to her biologically and two were adopted. She was giving a talk one day and she said, if you ever come up to me and ask me which two are my real children, I will fight you like a mama bear. Because we are adopted. Because God loved us and welcomed us in. We're part of a new family. And with a new family comes a new set of rules, right? To be part of the family, if you live under this house, you live under these rules. But Paul said it's not about the rules, it's about the love. A way of living that's connected to the Holy Spirit. A way of living where we invite God to animate our lives, to guide our thoughts and guide our steps. And Paul says when we live in this way, inviting the Holy Spirit in, we'll live in a new way, with new fruit, fruits of love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I remind you this morning that you are adopted, chosen by God's love, welcomed into a new family. You're sitting today beside your brothers and your sisters in Christ. So as Paul reminds us, I remind you, you are adopted You are loved by God. Do not be afraid, but be bold. And know that God, by the Holy Spirit, is at work in your life. Amen.